You're listening to The Broken Meeple Show, a podcast that speaks passionately about board games for the benefit of those who play them. My name's Luke Hector, best known for The Broken Meeple YouTube channel, and I'm an everyday gamer just like you. And I'll be talking about reviews, top tens, and just about anything that connects me to board games, as long as I have a tea or coffee in hand, that is. So grab a cup, relax, and enjoy. And remember, it's only a game. Hello folks, welcome to another podcast episode. It is Sunday the 5th of September 2021. I forget which episode this is, it's 30 something, (laughs) whatever. I'm sure everybody else can count. But yeah, another podcast for this weekend. And we got a fair amount to talk about on this one. And a lot of this is kind of viewer centric, I would say. Like a lot of this episode has mainly just been a case of people have asked me if I can do X, Y, and Z. So it's like, okay, I'll do X, Y, and Z on this episode. Why not? So we've got some, obviously, we'll talk about what's been going on recently with me. I've got several games that I've played. I've only got one bit of news uh, because not a lot's been happening in the industry apart from this one big thing. And the topic of the day will be related to preparing for Essen uh, 2021 because I will be going to Essen. I have my hotel booked since last year, although I might need to shorten my duration because for some reason I booked it for the whole week thinking I was going to take the whole week off work. But really, would I want to do the entire week there? I don't know, but we'll see. Uh, but I've also got to figure out my travel plans. I got to book the Euro Tunnel and bits like that. But we'll get onto that in more detail later. But yeah, people asked me, it's like, can you talk about a certain game that you played? Yes, okay. Uh, can you talk about this game that you played? Okay, I'll do that. And it's like, can you do some tips on Essence? Like, okay, I'll do that. So it's like, fine. So if you're listening or watching this right now, then at least you're getting your your wish come true, shall we say? So as for what's been going on with the blog, uh. Mainly it's top 100 time and certainly the subscriber count has been climbing as a result of it. Very pleased and appreciative of everybody who's been checking out the top 100 videos that have started. They're already doing pretty well on the view counts, you know, uh, you know, not as high as maybe some of the other top 10 lists generally, but each one consistently does well. And we've already released my 100 to 91. I released my 90 to 81 literally yesterday. And I have the 80 to 71 half edited and probably will come out some point. uh, I'm hoping Tuesday. I'm hoping to aim for Tuesday because if I can get some time to edit it tomorrow, I'll be able to release it on Tuesday, the latest Wednesday. And during that time, I will also seek to record the next episode as well. It does take, it, it takes about an hour to record each one. You know, bearing in mind they're about half an hour long. It takes about an hour to record in terms of cuts, reshoots, and all that lot. And then it's taking several hours in the editing room. So these ones do take a lot of time to do. But I have chosen to do 10 episodes of 10 games plus an aftermath episode. So that's on me, nobody else. And also because the live stream format last year didn't quite work in my opinion. I mean, people watched it and people were like very chatty and all talking about the games now. But it was a lot of work to try and get those done. I mean, trying to coordinate it on screen. It didn't get as many views because it took longer to do the video. And it's like, you know what, let's just do 10 videos of 10 and... You know, I could have done maybe videos of 20, but then the videos would have been even longer and I want to do the banners and the pictures and that. And that takes time to edit. You know, I don't just uh, switch the camera on and talk for 10 minutes. I try to put more stuff into these vids and it all is a bit of a time sink. But yep, you've enjoyed them so far. They're already basically my highest ranked videos at the moment. And that's kind of the focus of the blog for a while. Uh, apart from a couple of extra videos that I have to do promptly, I need to do a preview video of Scandalo which is the new Megacorp in uh, sort of, I'm going to say, 
pseudo sequel to the awkward guests i've got to do a very quick preview video of 11 the football game because that one is literally i think coming on game found in a couple of days so i need to really try and bang that out that's just going to be both of these are just going to be blitz format so we're talking like five minute six seven minute video quickly previewing it no massive detail and i also need to do a blitz review for Colcapelli, the stefan feld game from queen games i've been playing that recently and i'm pretty much ready to do a blitz review on that and i will try to do them as blitz now, somebody has suggested that I should probably consider doing reviews on the podcast. So as well as just what I've played, also do reviews of a game on here so that they can be more blitz and save me some time. Well, I might start doing that. It'll be just ad hoc when that happens. In fact, to be honest, one of the games I'm going to talk about soon could probably be considered a review because I played it enough in order to know what it does. And we'll see how that pans out. Other than that, I went to a convention recently called KCON. This is a UK-based convention in Milton Keynes. I have never been there. I didn't go there last year. Uh, this was the second year that they've done it. It's a local one. It's... Oh, sorry, that's not the page. That is something completely different. Uh, come on, come on, come on. Where is it? There we go. There we go. Find the page. And essentially, it's a small, friendly board gaming event. It's It was at Kent's Hill Park in Milton Keynes. It was in end of August, so around the bank holiday uh, weekend. And it was just a really nice little pleasant con, really. I mean, they had to they had to change the venue at the last minute because the other one got used, I think, as a Nightingale uh, venue or something like that. And so the fact that they were able to change it to a completely different venue, get everybody's bookings carried across, have the rooms... And even managed to sort out some method of refreshments from the venue people, although not to the extent that we were hoping to have at the other place. But, you know, when you change venues literally about a week or two before the con starts, I think you take what you can get. I think they did a smashing job, really, because I would have expected most other cons to cancel or fold. But they kept it going and they it was a nice two and a half days of me just enjoying playing board games and I played all sorts you would have seen the uh, the photos go up continuously through my Facebook and Twitter feed and I'm even going to talk about one of those later on today but you know well done to uh uh names Kelly and the gang who ran this uh, there's not much detail on the site now because obviously it's going to pan out until 2022 but yeah thanks for hosting it and if I get time next year I'd like to come back it's a bit of a busy period August the main reason I had time this year because nothing was happening around bank holiday weekend and there was no handycon and no nothing like that so but you know i would like to you know check this one out again if i've got the time because it's relatively close relatively inexpensive and we'll see how things go but yeah well done that was a nice little break i think it was like i think it's my second con i've been to since uh since lockdowns ended so yeah the uk games expo and then kcon and then I've got Shake, Battle and Roll, stupid dumb name, um, but a local Southampton one in early October, and then straight after that, Essen. So we'll get on to that uh, later. Okay, let's get on to some games for what I've played, and uh, I'm going to talk very briefly about this first one. People have asked me for my thoughts on Eleven, because I've been testing out the prototype copy that I've been sent. This is a football manager board game done by Portal, and you know, i Giving it a try, bearing in mind I've got prototype components and only two players worth of stuff. I've, you know, I've got to go on the tabletop simulator mod to do a bit more play around, but there's very little information on this other than their game found page. And so far, first impressions are that 
I mean, it's obviously going to need some tidying up and clean up and some rules book uh, editing and stuff as the campaign goes on. This is pre-Kickstarter, or pre-Game Found, I guess. But so far, the premise is cool. I mean, I like the idea that this is a football manager board game and not actually playing the sport. You're managing the team, getting the players, getting the staff, building up your stadium, sorting out your budget, that kind of thing. But it's not a heavy game. This is not a heavy economic game. I, I dare say it's it's light-ish. It's light medium, I would say. It's a midway at most. It's nowhere near the levels of Predator Porter, that heavy economic game they did about the fashion industry. This one is really a lot lighter than that. This isn't going to burn your brain. There's some dice rolling in it. There is a bit of luck involved. So if you're one of those people who likes to control everything, that's not going to happen. But the theme is pretty strong. This is kind of portal shtick. You know, it feels like you are running a football team. And I like the fact that it's a different, unique theme. The rules were a little bit tough to get through from the first draft rule book that I had. But I hear there's an updated one on TTS. So I need to check that out. But obviously, this is pre-Kickstarter. And I am going to do a very quick uh, video of this to go into more detail into the mechanics. But so far, cool. You know, so far, I think it's got some potential. It really is going to be a case of how they iron out as time goes on. But uh, you'll have to wait for my preview video to talk about that one in more detail. So let's start off with, let's start off with, let's start off with the one that was requested by a viewer, just in case they're falling asleep at this point. Obsession. I finally played Obsession, everybody. I played it. The game that no, everybody won't shut up about. It's like, seriously, I've never heard of a game get so much attention on social media as Obsession has, especially when the theme is about a pride and prejudice Victorian England landscape. It's like, seriously, could you pick a more boring theme? Actually, yeah, you could. Ironing tin and coal and copper and all that. All right, fine. I'll give him a break for that. But yeah, this is this gives me nightmares because Pride and Prejudice was something I had to study in English literature, uh, GCSE, and I hate it. <laughs> I had to read the book and watch the six-hour TV serial with um, uh, Colin Firth and all that in it. I've never been so, I've never seen anything so boring and cringy in my life. Oh, I hated it. I just, oh, that was not fun. But it's not my style of thing. But I finally played Obsession. Um, I believe uh, who was it who? Yes, yeah, 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 played Obsession, multiplayer, and I've tried it. It was a four-player game. We got taught the rules, no expansion, no expansion, and this was at KCON. And I finally thought, right, I'm going to just get try and get sucked into this. Let's try and immerse myself in this theme and enjoy the mechanics. It's okay. I think it's decent enough. I do think this has been hyped and overhyped like crazy though i mean seriously the amount of attention this is getting as some people's favorite games of all time i can't see why this is somebody's favorite game of all time from what i've seen but it is basically a case that you're getting these room tiles onto your board and getting these meeples which represent the different servants and you're every turn every round you trigger one of the rooms resolve its effect but it requires not only some guest cards from your hand but it also requires some of those meeples depending on what type of activity it is and it could be anything from you know uh, like sort the butler trying to get more people it could be a tea party in a gazebo it could be a bowling green it's that that's that sort of typical time period of activities and the guest cards have got various bonuses that they give you they've got level requirements so that you know your reputation has to get to a certain level in order to be able to play them they're male and female which has some impact on some of the rooms like you can't have a, a specific tea party unless you bring female guests you know that kind of thing and it's it's definitely thematic 
it's definitely representing the theme quite well. This just feels like Downton Abbey the board game, and I can't stand that series either, but it's definitely that kind of feel. The whole idea that you're hoping to court a certain special character at some point, uh, you're prepping for a village fair, the fact that you are hosting these little activities, and you know some family members are more liked than others like some even give negative vp which is a bit of a neg a bit of a downer on the game actually you draw guests at random from a deck and some of them have got negative vp and if you can't get rid of them then you're kind of screwed there's a bit of a luck of the draw in this game which does hurt it a little but not too much component quality is decent enough for a small publisher uh, the artwork's pretty nice actually though the board looks like a nice genuine landscape of uh, Derb I think it's Derbyshire that's what it's meant to be doing I uh, can't tell if that's what it says on there but like I say Victorian England it really does bring out that look of, of of England to be honest actually I think the picture on the builders market board in particular is really gorgeous really like that picture but everything kind of flows nicely the rules aren't too complicated I didn't think they were too fiddly there's one or two minor aspects with like the how certain rooms work on your board and having to flip them over and stuff it's it, there's a couple of fiddly bits but nothing too major and i enjoyed it but there are some issues i did have the luck of the draw aspect with the guests is definitely a thing you could just draw cards that do not work for you or require guests and uh, servants that you just don't have a lot of there's only 16 i think rounds in the game which means you don't have a huge amount of time to even get half the stuff you need if you draw those you know you might draw a guest card that's got a reputation level three levels higher than you and you're nowhere near getting to that so for the whole game it's a useless card there's some luck aspects in there the the aesthetics of the game i'm perfectly fine with i mean the tiles are pretty basic but they're decent enough quality so I'm not really gonna fault it and the graphic design is pretty easy to understand but the other problem i did have is that this is incredibly multiplayer solitaire there's no reason for this to be a multiplayer game really most people play it solo and you should play it solo the only bit of interaction that there is is somebody might buy something off the market before you do whoop-de-doo that's like every euro game ever and really the only interaction is the courtship of two characters on the the round board there's a male and a female there they're really good cards and if you meet a certain criteria at various stages of the game which is all based on what rooms you've been able to acquire you will be able and that's luck of the draw as well as to what they require but you basically can take the card and use it until the next time it comes up and that in terms of interaction is literally just a case that the other players are gunning for it and you're trying to gun for it so it's again it's it's indirect interaction but that's literally it so three points during the game you actually care what the other players are doing at every other point during the game though i don't give one iota what the other three players at the table were doing i didn't even know what two of the players were doing in terms of their tactics for a while it was like okay what are you guys doing over there well actually yeah why do i care now the theme you inject a little bit of humor into it like i was i mean i hate this theme but i was injecting a bit of humor as to like how dodgy my family was and you know what kind of parties i'm having with the like the various guests there and the fact that i'm very sport orientated in my area you know i was making a few jokes and gags and that it was a bit funny i was also like looking at a few of these characters and thinking i mean i don't know if they're actual real photos or if they just got modern people dressed them up and did a black and white photo i'm not sure but you know some of them do look a little bit like okay this guy's got a shady past but uh, <laughs> you know there was a few like that but the but like I say, I could see this working as a solo game if I was to play it again. 
I could see myself maybe playing it two player because there's only one player to work with. I don't think I'll ever play this three or four player again though because I just think for a 90 minute game it's not necessary to have the other players there. But it was fine. I thought, I, I went into this thinking, right, come on, open mind, I know you hate the theme, I know everybody's gone on about it to ad nauseum levels, but give it a chance, and it's fine, it's fine, um, I, I don't think I've actually given it a rating yet, I think I would probably give it a, a 6 or a 7, I'd say it's either above average or good, you know, I, I could, actually, I don't know, I could, I could probably give this a 7, and say that this was a good game yeah i mean i'll give it i'll give it a seven there you go seven out of ten as a first impressions because bear in mind i've only played it once but the you know it was fine i think the weight level is completely off the chain i'm sorry this is not a 3.17 game there really isn't a huge amount of weight in this it's not light but it's mid-weight at most i think 3.17 is pretty high for this complexity rating here but I just, I do think it's a little bit overhyped though. Everybody keeps raving on about it. People are like wanting to spend money, like tons of money to try and get an out of print copy. Like, oh my God, give me the extra stuff. Oh my God, give me the game, give me the game. But it's fine. It's an, it's a fine, good, above average, at least, you know, like six and seven, I'm toying between, you know, Euro game. It's just got a different theme to most, and I give credit that the publisher, um, uh, Kayenta Games, I think that's how you pronounce it, Kayenta Games, um, is actually trying something unique. I'll give them that, because, you know, this one certainly did feel different. And, you know, I can see people enjoying this one, just maybe not to the hyped levels that it is. I don't know what the expansions include. More servants, more stuff. I mean, fair enough. I don't know if the expansions make this game even better but you know i could see myself playing this solo or two player but if i don't play this for the rest of my life then i'm not gonna lose sleep over it because i just don't see why i would want to pull this out with three or four players so if i get a copy of this maybe i'll hang on to it as a solo game but we'll see let's say i've been on long enough about this obsession it's decent but i do think it's a bit overrated all right let's move on to Anno 1800. Uh, friends of mine have taught me this. We played two games in a row. So this is just first impressions as well. Uh, but this is the Martin Wallace board game. And yes, Martin Wallace board game. Uh, I should be running for the hills at this point, shouldn't I? Because me and Martin Wallace games don't tend to gel very well, despite the fact that the guy is such a lovable, bouncy, bubbly person. But <laughs> so like I say, love the person, just not necessarily the games. But this one is based off a computer game that I never played. I mean, this is a like industrial age style economic uh, building game. It's like, this is not the thing I would play on the PC. I'd, if I'm going to play anything like that, I'd rather play Sid Meier's Civilization. But this is from Cosmos. Uh, it says 2020, but I thought it only just came out. But I don't know. We'll see. Doesn't seem to be many pictures for it, which is kind of weird, despite the fact it's been out for a while. But you'll just have to make do with this one but the idea is is that you have all you have a player board here with some cubes on it representing different types of people and various industries which require the different cubes in order to do and and all the industries work in the same way they basically have a cube requirement and they produce one of whatever it is and it can be anything from wood stone cheese carrots no, all right they're not in the game but you, you basically there's like a smorgasbord full of stuff here i mean uh, i'm trying to remember some of the stuff you can make uh, light bulbs ships tea uh sausages uh steam pistons i think uh pocket watches um potatoes brick uh engines armored guns i mean there's, there's all sorts of like crazy stuff you can make in this game 
but they basically are just a means to an end. It's an engine building game where you need to build the early stuff so that you can build the medium stuff so you can build the later stuff. It's purely that. The fact that you build like an armored gun doesn't feel like you're going out and declaring war on the nations. No, it's just a requirement for a card effect. Game takes about two hours. It took us about two hours, uh, both games with four of us, which I thought was pretty good, actually. Two hours is a pretty good ratio for a four-player game. But I feel like this game should be a bit shorter than that. And I know that's kind of a, you know, broken record here at this point. But the thing is, the main actions that you do in this game are move a cube to a space and produce it so that you can produce another tile. Okay, and there's a fulfill a card, which is these cards that you have with characters on it. They've got a requirement at the top, produce the resources and play the card. I mean, that's the main couple of things you are doing in this game. And you do these a lot. It's a big thing. It's a, like this is like the whole crux of the game, just doing this over and over again. So ad nauseum, you are essentially. Uh, let's see if I can find a more board game images for you, but you know you're just repeating that over and over and over and over and over and over again. It does sort of go for crying out loud. Does it really need to? take this long you know to do this action a hundred million times and after a while you kind of think okay this game really needs to end now like it needs to stop but you know the artwork and production quality is decent i mean yeah you're juggling around cubes but you know that's not a big deal i mean of course you're going to juggle around cubes in a game like this and the game is fairly smooth the rules aren't particularly complex there's a bit more interaction in this game than most because you can buy resources of other players by cashing in trade tokens. They get a gold, which is used to like pay off some of your workers back. But I find that there's a couple of issues with the gameplay. Firstly, the variable end game timer is a bit of a pain because this game could end very quickly if someone rushes out all their cards or it could drag on and on and on and on because nobody's getting out their cards and they're drawing extra ones. Secondly, the fact that you can explore other boards is great, but nobody really explores more than one of each board because there's only so much time you have in the game and you're not getting a ton of extra bonuses apart from just some extra spaces for it. And even then, you end up in a situation where, well, you might just well just replace some of the old industries that you don't use. I mean, there's one on your board for potatoes. It's used to make one thing. One thing, schnapps. I'm sure thematically that makes sense. Like that must have obviously been a big thing back in those days. I'm not a history expert, but it's used to make one thing in the game and that's it. And if you don't want to make that thing, then that industry is completely useless on your board. All the other stuff makes several items. That makes one thing. I don't know why that is in there for balance. So you can basically just replace that as the first industry on your board. It's like, well, yeah, why would I care about it if there's one thing and I'm never going to make it? Some of the things that you need to make are based entirely on luck of the draw of pulling a new world board out and basically having the resources on there. There's luck of the draw of the, the old world boards because it could give you a little bonus and that bonus could be good. It could be rubbish. You know, it really is luck on that front. But I also, and not even drawing the cards. I mean, you draw more cards and they all have their various bonuses that you need to do. You might draw a bunch of cards that just do not suit the route you're going down. And if that's the case, you're going to take far longer to get your stuff out than anybody else's. You don't get to draft these cards or pick from a selection. No, you just draw straight off the top of a deck. So there is a bit of randomness in there. Another thing is that these purple ones that you can build, the later industries, I don't think are even worth building. 
yeah, some of these eight-point cards require you to get some of these purple things, but the amount of time and effort it takes you to get the stuff needed to build the purple in the first place, and then obviously you've got to combine that with whatever else the character wants, it's so time-consuming that it's like, why don't I just wait for someone else to build it, get the trade tokens from the ships, and then just buy it off them? Because you give them a gold, which they can use to buy their workers back. Yeah, but it costs anywhere between one and five gold to get their workers back, and by that point in the game, they're probably going to have to pay four or five gold to get a specific high-end cube back. Whoopee if I give them one cube to trade off their fantastic, you know, brilliant resource. And yes, it costs multiple trade tokens to do that as well, but seriously... Why would I not just do that? Because getting trade tokens is not difficult in this game. Just build all the ships and get a few cards that require trade tokens. Fantastic. You're sorted. But yeah, if you just build a bunch of the trade ships, which are pretty easy to make, then you're well on your way to doing well, I think. You know, I will never build the purple ones again. I just don't think it's worth it. And definitely you want to build some of the blue early ones, like the uh, brick stone and all that because normally they cost red cubes, you can get the ones that cost blue, because not only will it be easier for you to use it, but then people will keep buying it off you on a regular basis, which means a lot of gold comes in. And at that stage of the game, the gold means a lot more than it does later on. So it it's kind of weird. There are some balance issues I feel. I do feel it goes on a bit long for what it is. It's a pretty fair... It, it's a simple rule set, but it definitely has a lot of like, oh my god, what should I even think of building first? You know, it really is going to melt your brain a bit. But, you know, it's fine. It's decent enough. I, I'd give it about a six based on those first two plays. I like it enough that I would play it again. I'd be hesitant to play this with anybody who has an analysis paralysis because they will hold the game up like crazy. It, you know, it's, it's got some good elements to it, but not enough to make me sort of go, oh yeah, I want to get this or play it that often. You know, if it's on the table, I'll play it, but I'm not going to request it at any point. All right, and finally, I'm going to do uh, Mr. Cabbage Head's Garden, which I can essentially do a review for because I've played it enough times now. I've finally got the Kickstarter from Ludi Creation, so I have now played this weird, creepy-looking solo game. <laughs> and I do mean weird and creepy. This is a crazy-looking thing. And the idea is, is that this is a solo filler game from Todd Sanders, and you are basically building a vegetable patch with this very nice artwork, I think. I think the artwork in this is stellar. Uh, vegetable patch, basically. And the idea is, is that you will score points for having the vegetables in, like, uh, groups next to each other. So this particular example here is a pretty rubbish garden, actually. Um, all their vegetables are not in groups, so that's not going to score very highly. So that player did rubbish. But... Along the way, you are planting these cards, and there's a mechanic where you have to... You draw three cards. The left one requires you to pay a B, a B token. It's like another currency. Second one doesn't cost anything, and then the third one yields you a B. And you've got to micromanage this little mini economy. But along the way, these neighbors, of which you get four in the box, but the deluxe set, as I've got, gives me another six... You choose four at random. They're in the game. And basically, as you choose each vegetable to plant... Depending what you leave behind, you flip a number of tokens and they correspond to the neighbors. And basically, when you get to a certain stage in the deck, a holiday card, that neighbor comes and does something annoying to your part, like nicks a vegetable or eats a specific thing or rearranges some of your stuff, whatever. They've all got varying effects. Now, you carry on with this for three rounds. You try and plant as much as you can in this three by six grid. You won't fill the whole thing up, but you'll try and fill as much of it as you can. 
and then you score based on some specific scoring cards, but also just generally for the vegetables themselves, if you can put them in groups next to each other. So, as a 15-minute filler game, it does the job. It's nice. It's a nice, pleasant filler game, even if some of the artwork is a little creepy. You know, I think the vegetable artwork is fantastic, but the cover and the, the stuff to do with these neighbours is really, really creepy. You know, some of these neighbours look like uh, something I would see out of kind of like a dark, nightmarish version of the Cuphead series. <laughs> you know, if you ever played that game, um, think of some of the bosses you get in there and then make them darker and a bit more like, ugh, a bit more unsettling. I think this is what they would be. But I think generally the production quality of this deluxe set that I got from the Kickstarter is fantastic for a filler game. I gotta give it credit. Although sorting out these tokens before the game starts is a right pain. You know, 15 minute filler, and I swear it's another 15 minutes to get the tokens you need because you've got to find the specific ones for the four neighbors you pick, and there's a lot of them. That's um, a tad annoying. I've not tried the expansions in here, the grasshopper and some other one, but I have tried some of the other neighbors, you know, and the neighbors all have varying effects, so it's good to mix and match to your heart's content. Doesn't really feel like something I would build a custom insert for, some of those photos are suggesting, but you know, the game itself is fine. I think as a filler, it's nice and charming and, and and does the job, but there is a lot of luck in this game. You are flipping cards at random off the deck, so the vegetables might, you might be looking at a specific veg, and then all three of the cards you draw are the same veg that you're looking for. You're only going to get one of them, and two of them are going to get discarded, and that's going to be a pain. On top of that, the scoring cards that you can do, like the various scoring methods, you'll be lucky if you get one of them, let alone two, and certainly no more than two. They require you to gun for them from the start of the game, and you're basically shooting the moon to try and achieve them. They're, they're way too, you know, like, they don't gel with each other. Doing one usually means you're not going to be able to do another. And also, the neighbors, I find, are a bit too random. You don't know what neighbor is going to flip and do its thing. You draw tokens as you go on and you can make an educated guess on the basis that, oh, you know, so-and-so's got three tokens, this one has none, this has got one, this has got two. Probably I'm going to get visited by this neighbor when the card comes up, but you never know. You are drawing tokens at random and at some point one of them is going to do something to your garden, but it's going to be very hard for you to prepare for that neighbor considering you are drawing the tokens out of a bag at random. So you do feel like this game is kind of one that you're just going through the motions sometimes. I mean, there are some decisions to make. You've got to choose out of those three cards. You've got to make an educated guess about the neighbor, and you're choosing which of those, like, shoot the moon style scoring methods to go for. But that's kind of it. The rest of it feels like the game is piloting itself. You know, the tokens will come out randomly, the vegetables will come out randomly, and you only have so much control. Now, I don't want to have. Yeah, I'm not expecting to have all the control in the world for a 15 minute filler because it really does not take long to go through this game when you know the rules and got it hands down. So maybe I'm being a little harsh on that, but I'm just saying that you've got to be aware of this. But it's a small box. It's very well produced for what it is. It's very simple rules. Did not take me long to learn this straight from the rule book. I don't have a play mat or anything. I mean, frankly, you don't really need one. It's like a three by six grid. I'm pretty certain anybody can memorize that in their head. I mean, that photo was showing, you can play it on your bed with the dog next to you, <laughs> as long as the dog doesn't think it's actual food. And like I say, good production quality, simple rules, and a charming, if creepy, little game. I give it a 7 out of 10. It's good. I don't think it's amazing. I think it's been overhyped a little bit because the, this was being called as some people's like best solo game ever and, you know, like a top 10 solo games chart thing. 
I don't think this is quite up there. I think that maybe the luck factor is a little bit too heavy in this game. But it is quick. It is 15 minutes pretty much for the entire game. 20 max. You can play it with two players, but I don't recommend it. I mean, even the instruction manual says this was designed as a solo game. So don't even think of really picking this up for two. And it's well produced. You know, it's it's a nice, charming uh, filler. I, there are other solo games I'd rather play. But, you know, overall, not bad. So have I given this a rating yet on here? I'm not sure if I have. No, I haven't. So let's give it a rating. Uh, seven, out of, 7 out of 10. All good. Yeah, so not too bad. I'm glad I got it on the Kickstarter, but I was maybe expecting it to blow my mind a little bit better. Okay, very quickly for the news, um, you know, IDW games have gone under. Yep, it seems to have been confirmed that they are reported as shutting down due to financial losses. IDW games tend to make a lot of IP games. I mean, you can see from this banner here, they've got the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game that they made. They've got Batman animated series, a Sonic game, a Korra Last Avatar uh, game. Yeah, they've got all sorts. And I think they originally made Mighty Korra, although I think Pandasaurus now has it. So, you know, if you miss Mighty Korra, although I don't know why you miss Mighty Korra, because frankly, Catan did it better originally. You know, the, then you at least have a means of getting it. But they, I don't think they've made an official announcement to my knowledge. I don't know for certain. But yes, they have pretty much like uh, stopped. They're pretty much just, I think, going to fade away as opposed to leave with a bang or anything. But yeah, if you're thinking about getting any from IDW Games, then sorry, no. I think they had a Kickstarter on uh, for this, uh, for something that was going on. Hopefully they'll fulfill it. But yeah, maybe that'll be their last swan song. But, um, I mean, it's a shame to see publishers go under because obviously we want uh, more variety in the hobby and no monopolies. But I'm not exactly a massive IDW Games fan normally. I mean, I'm just looking through their linked games and I don't recognize half of these. But, I mean, Arcane Academy, never played. Atari Centipede, never heard of. And it's not ranked very high. Awesome Kingdom, ranked 16,000. Back to the Future, Out of Time, uh, Adventure Out of French a few times, 14,000 nearly. Batman the Animated Series, uh, various expansions were planned this year, but it doesn't look like they're going to go ahead <laughs> at this point. Maybe that was the Kickstarter, but I don't know if that's been well received or not. I mean, 3,600 Gotham Under Siege, but what else have they done? I know they've done some of this. I obviously had Mighty Coral, which was their bigger thing. Cat Tower, never wanted to play it. Demon Trilogy, never heard of it. Uh... Dragon Ball Super. I mean, I never wanted to play their Dragon Ball Z games because, I mean, the problem is a lot of these companies get IPs and then just don't make a decent game out of it. Oh, they originally made the game, did they? How dare you? Well, that's another game I hate. Uh, the Godfather, A New Dawn. That's not The Godfather from Kenny, uh, Cool Mini or not. That's something else. I mean, I just don't know most of these games. Kill Shakespeare, Jungle Joust, King of the Creepies, The Legend of Korra, uh, Little Circuses. Obviously, Mighty Coral was their big hit which everybody went mad for. Personally, I, like I say, I think Catan is better. Uh, Naruto uh, Shibuden. Again, I love the series on the anime series and I watch Boruto at the moment, but pff, you know, I have never seen a decent board game using the Naruto license. Uh, Random Encounter. Uh, rag, ray Guns and Rocket Ships. What on earth was that? Roar King of the Pride. Uh, this was one that Sam Healy talked a lot about, but ranked 9,000. I mean, I'm not ex expecting it to be that amazing. Uh, Zaikatsu. I think Zaikatsu was one that somebody suggested to me on the Asian theme list that I did. Uh, I'll have a look at that in a second. Uh, Sonic the Hedgehog Dice Rush. Tammany Hall. Ooh, Tammany Hall. Is that being published by anybody else? I think someone else has picked that up, but I haven't had a chance to try that one. 
Uh, they did the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Adventures game. I thought they did a different Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles one. Oh yeah, Shadows of the Past, which uh, Tom Vassell really likes. Never got a chance to try it, and I probably never will now. But, you know, that's obviously not going to be around. Torres, Towers of Arcane. I mean, like I said, a lot of these games are not well known or not particularly. Oh, Yido. Uh, but then I think Yido got reprinted by someone else, so I think you're pretty good. Saikatsu. Saikatsu, I'm pretty certain somebody mentioned this to me on the Asian theme list. Uh, or if it wasn't the Asian theme list, on another list. I'm pretty certain. But yeah, it looks pretty. You know, it looks like a little abstract game. Little flowers and birdies. I mean, that's, that's pretty pretty. I uh, don't know if this is official components. Yeah, it just looks like a little tile abstract game. I wonder. Let me know in the comments what this one's like. Maybe I'll be able to find a cheap copy of it somewhere. But uh, it's not one that's ultimately familiar to me. But it looks like it's a nice production and a charming little abstract game. So, uh, hmm, curious on that one. Maybe it was when we were talking about bird theme games. I mean, I didn't do a top 10 on that. But maybe that just popped up in conversation. And that was the thing. But yeah, they're gone. So, sad to see another publisher go. But... That is the way. Oh, take a drink. Right. Now, I think I've rabbited on too much about that because we're already 36 minutes in. Let's go on to the main topic. Essen. Yes, I am going to Essen Spiel. I am going to go to it because it was cancelled last year. I've been to Essen for the last three or four years now, I think. I think three years. And... You know, I'm looking forward to it, but I am a little bit concerned about the reduced capacity of it, you know, because the UK Games Expo was a nice convention to go to, but it was also, like, somewhat lacking in the trade hall department as a result of the capacity reduction. So I'm wondering if this is going to be a massive reduction. I mean, I think Asmodee have said they're not even going. And if you take out Asmodee, that's a big chunk of Hall 3, I think it was, that had it. So a little bit concerned, but... This might allow me time to actually see games that are more done by the indie publishers, some German publishers, you know, some of the smaller games, the hidden gems. Uh, will Japan be there in any respect? So maybe the Japanime games and uh, Empress 4 might be there. Who knows? Uh, the problem is they haven't got an official publisher list of who's going. And they tend to not release this information until like a month max or two weeks before the convention. It's really annoying how they seem to keep this information like so tight to their chest early. But... I am going, I've got press passes, and I've got a hotel sorted, I'm going to be staying just south of Essen in a little apartment building, and that basically means that it costs a lot less, but we'll get onto that later, and people have just said, and oh, well actually before I get onto the tips, the I will be there all the time, so I'm hoping to get there for this press thing on Wednesday evening, I need to find out more details on that, I will be there for the full four days, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, although Sunday will be limited because I need to obviously get back because I am driving to Essen this time. I am driving there, and I have no intention of taking the Monday off, so I'm going to be knackered at work, but I want to be able to drive back that evening, so I'm probably going to be leaving early-ish on the Sunday. Hopefully, I will have got everything I wanted to do at that point done, uh, but yeah, it should be it should be good fun. Um, I'm, I'm expecting, I'm hoping to see a few like European uh, uh, content creators that I've not seen before. And obviously if people are visiting, if you do see me there, Dice Tower, I don't think are going to have a full booth this time round. So if they are not there in an official capacity, then that means you just need to basically just grab me off the floor. Honestly, if you do see me, then say hi, you know, you know, shake a hand, give me a hug. I'm all up for hugs. You know, I have no problem with hugging people. 
and just say hi. You know, say you like the show, just say you're glad to see me, tell me what you've been doing at the con, what games you bought, and it would just be good to talk to you. You know, I love meeting uh, people who watch the show. I even got surprised yesterday. I walked out of my game cafe last night and uh, there was a very nice, sweet Asian couple who like stopped me literally in my tracks as I just stepped out the door and he went all like giddy about like, wait, are you loot you know are you this person and then he wanted selfies and that it was so adorable but yeah you know, I, I yeah i'm not saying you've got to turn into a fanboy every time you see me but all i mean is that you know if you do see me do not be afraid to say hi i'm just some bloke okay i'm not like world famous or anything i'm just a guy who makes videos and enjoys it but i love meeting the fans so by all means uh, let me know but yeah i'm gonna be there the whole time and i will be helping portal out for part of it as well i i've got a schedule where I'm expecting uh, to, at the moment, um, it's not finalized, but I should be there for the whole of Saturday just helping out Portal. I obviously want time for the fair and, you know, helping out the Dice Tower meant that I didn't have much time for the fair, but then I tended to find that I had very little to do on the Sunday. Like, by the time it got to Sunday, I'm like, yeah, I'm kind of good. I don't need any more stuff. And I usually get all my stuff done within the first couple of days there, and then I'm good. You know, because I don't try out every single game that's there because there's a lot of stuff that won't catch my eye. I mean, I'll walk past it and go, yep, doesn't look like it's for me. I'm not going to spend time with it. But I'm basically going to probably do the entire Saturday at the Portal booth. So Portal Games, you know, they're going to need somebody to teach. Um, you know, they're Polish natural speakers. They can speak English, but they're going to have a fully English speaker there. So maybe that will help with some games. Failing that. I might just help them behind a the desk and just help sell stuff. You know, either way, I hope I can uh, lend them a hand. Um, you know, it'll be good to, you know, well, getting an exhibitor badge will be helpful as well because I can get in earlier. But because press passes don't seem to get you jacked these days. But I look forward to seeing the whole Portal gang there, Ignacity and the crew. You know, some people that I have not seen for a long time because I think the Portal, the Portal gang are so nice and friendly. I mean, they are a real family unit when they do this sort of stuff. And there's even a couple of people who don't tend to do a lot with Portal, but they'll be volunteering as well. So it'll be nice to see them again. You know, I don't think it's going to be a pleasant thing, but I am going to do that for the whole of Saturday because of two reasons. One, it's stupidly busy on Saturdays. So you can barely get into the games you want anyway. And two, if you need a lot of staff on any time at the booth you need them on saturday so i'm basically going to help them out on the worst day because i feel that's when they're going to need me the most so yeah that'll be good so i'm doing a bit of shopping a bit of uh demoing a bit of helping out volunteering you know do my bit for you know a publisher that i like and yeah should be good and hopefully in the evening i'll be able to meet up with some of you uh you know some of the content creators that i haven't seen in ages you know board gaming ramblings i know will be there and and a few others as well and even just fans of the show you know get you know let me know where you are because in the evening you kind of just wander around and do something and if it's not pre-arranged you don't really know what you're doing so if you want to play games with me just sort of get in contact and let me know like you know you're going to need a hotel table and that but just let me know where you are and if i'm nearby and i've got the space and time then i want to play games in the evening so by all means uh, let me know even if you just want to go out for food I don't know um, all the restaurants in Germany, you know, <laughs> certainly in Essen. I've been to a few and they're all nice food. And I certainly will drink the German beer while I'm in Germany. You know, when in Rome, do as the Romans do. That's kind of my attitude with holidays. You know, drink, you know, eat and drink the local food and produce. But yeah, you know, even if you just want to meet up for some grub, that would be totally cool with me or something. You know, we don't even have to play games. You just want to go out and get some dinner. Um, then let me know. You know, you haven't got to pledge on a Kickstarter to go to dinner with me. So, yeah, we'll see how things go. But anyway, 
point of this topic is the fact that people have asked about some tips of preparing for Essen. Now this could apply to some conventions in general, but I am definitely going to say that this is more specifically Essen from experience, because this one requires the most planning and care ahead of time than any other convention I've been to. I might change my mind if I ever get to go to an American convention, you know, maybe that will require a bit more planning. But you know, for now, this is the furthest I've traveled for any convention. And pretty much I suspect it will be the furthest I'll ever travel for a convention unless I can go to America. So you know, it's definitely one to be aware of. So let's get a drink in first. Because it is hot. It is early 20s. I am sweating here. It is uh, <laughs> really hot in this room. But Right, so I'm going to go over some tips that I'm just sort of, I've sort of jotted down, I've got some notes, and this is kind of what I feel like for this. So a lot of this is planning. So first of all, you definitely need your tickets in advance. Get the tickets in advance. Do not rely on going to the booth on the day and getting the ticket because you will have to queue. You will be surrounded by a ton of people waiting to get into the halls uh, who have already got their tickets. I don't know how many people I have even available to give you the tickets. And given that we're going to be in a, you know, a restricted situation where you're going to need your COVID mask and all that lot, there's probably going to be all sorts of other restrictions in terms of spacing and how many people can be waiting around. You don't really want to go through that hassle. So get your tickets in advance. I have mine, so I never have to visit the ticket booth. It's going to be a lot easier that way. Uh, you are probably going to want to arrive early every single time that you go to the convention on each day because the convention itself is very like busy. It's pretty packed. Um, this is just a, a guide to the Spiel 19, the last convention that they had. They haven't released one for 21 yet, but this is just so you've got something to watch on the screen, really. But the idea is that you will want to get there early on the day because everybody else has that same idea and you don't want to be caught at the back of this giant queue trying to get into the hall. You want to be near the front, you want to be the first to whatever demo it is you're hunting down and you want to, you know, you want to get in there before the horde does. So definitely try and get there early. Do not leave it to the last minute. Trust me, that will not go well for you. Uh, you are going to do a lot of walking. A lot of walking. And I mean... A lot of walking. <laughs> in fact, oh, this is perfect. We've got a big gallery here. So let me just put this into perspective for you, right? That is one of the halls, okay? This is hall three. That's a big hall. And you can see barely the back wall there. And this is from the like, start, because Cosmos are usually right at the very front. Although, actually, no, Cosmos aren't at the very front usually. There's usually somebody else there. I, I, I think there's probably a little bit of extra space where this shot is being taken. So this hall is bigger than you think. That's one of the halls. There's at least six or seven of them, depending on, I don't know how many there'll be this year because of the capacity thing, but there's usually about six or seven halls. They're big. <laughs> They're very, very big. You have a lot of walking to do, especially if your things are scattered all over the shop. Wear comfy shoes. <laughs> you need to have walking shoes on. And when I say walking shoes, I don't mean like full-on boots as if you're going up mountains and stuff. You don't need hiking poles, but... What I mean is I have shoes that are very comfortable. You know, they're slip-on shoes, they're casual, even though they look smartish, they're not trainers, but they've got like a sort of memory foam uh, style bottom to them. And I find that they're the most comfy shoe to walk and run in 
when I'm just walking around town and stuff like that. Those shoes I will wear throughout this con and they will be ideal. You do not want to be wearing uncomfortable shoes and, you know, have problems with walking at this con because you're going to need to do a lot of it. So definitely make certain you uh, cater for that. Uh, don't worry about how you look because, frankly, a lot of other people there aren't necessarily going to either. Uh, definitely get some water and snacks on your person as you go around because as because there is food and drink to be had you know you can buy it there but it is pretty expensive it's not the cheapest food in the wa in in the world and oh god yeah this picture here is a, an example of the crowds that you get so like i say get there early and i guarantee you they won't look like this for this covid version but you know there is food and drink but it's quite pricey. You know, you are going to need to, you know, feed yourself during the day. You're going to be talking a lot. You're going to be uh, speaking to other people. It's going to be in air condition, but it's still going to be pretty warm in there. And so you're going to dehydrate. You need to have water. Carry at least one big bottle of water on your person. If you can't carry the big bottle, then at least carry a decent container bottle, you know, a decent one liter size bottle or something and have it with water. Fill it up in the bathroom from the tap. You know, it's tap water. It's not going to kill you. And, you know, make certain that you are hydrated because you don't want to be feeling ill there. And definitely carry some snacks. Yes, you're going to have to take a break to get a decent meal at some point. And there's plenty of stuff in Hall 4, the Galleria, I think it's called, where you can get some decent food. I wonder if there's a picture of that anywhere around this uh, gallery. But you do need to stay fed. So by all means... Make certain that you do, because you're going to need it. And, you know, it's not cheap. The food is not cheap. I would say, I mean, what kind of snacks? So what do I normally take? Um, bag of sweets is not a bad idea, actually. Something with sugar to sort of keep that, your sugar, your energy levels high. Yes, it's not good for you. But frankly, you're going to be doing so much walking around the place. I think you'll burn off most of the calories anyway. Uh, so, you know, something sugary snack is good. Nuts are good. Uh, nuts are full of protein. They take longer to digest. They will keep you full for longer. I take a bag of almonds around, uh, almonds around and or mixed nuts. Fruit and nuts is fine. You know, fruit and nut would be a good combination, actually, because you get the sugar from the fruit and the uh, nuts uh, thing. So fruit and nut mix would be good. Um, but it will keep you fill. It will keep you full for longer. So definitely consider that. Uh, what else could you take? Uh, fruit, apples. Apples are good. Something that's not easily squashed in a bag. So I wouldn't recommend oranges. Definitely won't recommend bananas. But I could recommend apples. I mean, if you don't like apples, then find some other hard fruit. But you know, I'm a I like apples. I mean, I'm a cider person. What do you expect? But yeah, apples are really good. You can slot them in a pocket somewhere. They won't get squashed. You know, especially if they're a hard apple like a Granny Smith or something. It's ideal. And, you know, just keep it in a pocket. And then when you need a snack, apple will keep you um, will keep you substantiated or whatever the phrase is, uh, satiated. Is that the word for, for well, I don't know. It will keep you, it will, it will keep away the hunger pains for a little while. So as I say, whatever snack you want to take, water and snacks are an absolute must. I've got a green uh, vacuum form, vacuum bottle or whatever it is. Um, doesn't hold a huge amount of water in it. But I think about a liter max, maybe 750 mil, which is not an ideal amount, but it will be sealed. I can easily seal it so it's not going to leak. It will be sturdy so it won't get squashed. And it will easily be identifiable as my bottle and it will keep the water cold. In fact, a vacuum form bottle would actually be a pretty good idea, actually, because the water you keep in it will still be cold when you drink it and you're going to want a cold drink. Okay. 
Uh, now, this one is an interesting one here. Uh, actually, yeah, I'll go on to this one. Consider driving to this fair. And the reason I say that is because a lot of people will use public transport. They will fly over and get a train. That's all well and good, but then you have to take luggage around and your hold luggage, unless you're willing to pay an extortionate amount at the airport, it's going to cost a bomb. And you're only going to be able to fit so many games in there and there's no telling that you might not necessarily bring all the games back that you want to. Now, they do have a booth at these conventions now where you can basically put all your games in and they will ship it back to where you are but that's gonna cost money. And if you hadn't noticed, we're in a bit of a shipping crisis at the moment where everything costs a bomb to ship. So don't feel that you're going to be able to ship your games back cheaply in that case. Now, the reason I say consider driving, which is what I now do, because I used to fly and take public transport, but as much as European public transport completely destroys anything Britain has, I still have to get on a British plane, so that's not reliable. Uh, last time I went on public transport, they were doing works on the train track, so I had to take this convoluted route to get to Essen. Uh, the public transport in Essen itself is fantastic. It's a metro system. It's always on time as regular trains. You want to get in and around Essen, the, use the subway system that they've got there. It's perfect, and it will take you straight to the convention center. You and about several thousand other people, though, so be prepared to be squished like a sardine on those things. Do not take a giant bag with you. But consider driving. Because it doesn't cost that much to park at uh, the Essen. You get your ticket in advance and you have to show it as you drive in. But it's not that expensive. You know, I get my parking ticket for free because I go there as press. But I looked at the cost. I can't remember exactly what it was. But I don't think it was that expensive, you know, for parking there. But you basically park in a kind of, like, big underground sort of garage area. And through there you can get to the front entrance of the... Spiel. So it is a little bit of a walk from your car to the convention itself. But the reason I still think it's a good idea is because it was a lifesaver last year. And it will link into my next point, my next tip. Basically, with driving, you have a boot. You have back seats to your car. If you're driving solo or just two of you to this convention, you've got more car space. And I only drive a Suzuki Swift Sport. So I drive solo with a Suzuki Swift Sport and I still have a decent amount of space in the car. If you're driving a saloon, you know, or a big car, an SUV, then you're going to have all the space in our world in there. And what you do is when you buy a ton of stuff at the convention and you can't bear to carry it around... Take a 10-15 minute break to go back to your car and dump everything in there. Go back up and resume. It'll take you 15-20 minutes out of your time. So it's a little bit of a break, a little bit of a cut, but that's it. But then you don't have to carry everything around. And it's ideal. I used it continuously last time and it was a lifesaver. Not to mention that you can drive to other places around Essen if you want to go sightseeing. You don't have to trust the public transport system. So it's definitely quite cool. And it's cheaper to drive and do that than it is to fly and train, I think. Although, don't quote me on that, actually. But, you know, and you could also take trips to other places. Like, I mean, I don't know if I'll get time, but I'm driving through Belgium. So maybe it would be good to stop somewhere in Belgium that's en route. You know, I've never been to Belgium before. Because um, last time I drove, I went to Harwich in UK and took an overnight ferry to Holland, Hook of Holland, and then drove over that, which, wow, seriously, the amount of beautiful scenery to look at when I was driving through the Holland um, like motorway areas, and that was so nice. It was so nice to look at. But I'm not taking that route this time. I'm going through Eurotunnel, and I'm going France, Belgium, Germany, doing the direct seven-hour, eight-hour route it's going to take me, obviously, with stops. But 
If I can stop anywhere in Belgium that's any good, then great. I mean, I won't be able to partake in the Belgian beer, unfortunately, because driving. But, you know, if there is a game cafe in Belgium where some people will be hanging out or some people recommend looking at, then if it's en route, good. Take a little detour. Who knows? You know, I don't know anything about the area, so but we'll see. But like I say, having that boot, I think, is useful. And all you do is that you arrive at the convention center early so you're not caught in any traffic jams. You know, you definitely want to get there early and not wait till the start of the show. But you'll be able to get a decent space and your car will be safe. It's under CCTV and that, so security's good. People aren't going to steal all your games in there. And yeah, I think it's worth considering if you don't mind the road trip. But this links into the next tip I'm going to say, and that is stay outside of the city. Huh? Wait a minute, I'm going to Essen. Why would I stay outside of Essen? I'm talking about hotels here. Conventions are now getting to the point where the places that are nearby have got wind of what these conventions are like and how many people exist for these conventions. They know that we're going to be there and they know to jack up their prices like you wouldn't believe in order to say, okay, fine, we're here, but it's going to cost you an arm and a leg. Some of the Essen hotels, I kid you not, will charge you over a grand to stay there for the duration of the convention. I kid you not. And a lot of them will still be really expensive if you buy anywhere in Essen itself, especially if you are within walking distance of the convention center. Honestly, don't. Unless you get it for free or on some stupid discount, don't waste your money. It's not worth it because you're still going to have to get public transport to it anyway. So you're still going to have to go to a metro system, wait for the train, get on it and get there. It's not worth it. Stay outside of the city and either use the public transport to get into the city because it's pretty easy and cheap to get a train into Essen to the Messer Essen spiel. I mean, it may take a bit longer journey time, but it works. But this is the other reason why I say drive because I am staying. I forget the name, but it's basically south of Essen. So if you imagine that, I'll try to do this on the camera here. If you imagine that there's the uh, Essen center, I'm staying in a small little apartment thing about there. I am barely 10 minutes away by drive from the actual Essen center, but I'm technically not in Essen. I am technically on the very outskirts, if not slightly whatever the nearby district of it's called. I think, uh, did it begin with B? Bellamy, Bellamy, I don't know, but um, I thought it began with B. But uh, the idea is, is that it means that the hotels are cheaper. They're much cheaper. Like uh, mine, uh, it cuts the cost in half to stay anywhere outside of the city. You can get a little apartment block, which is usually unmanned. You normally have to arrange it in advance with the landlord and they'll leave you your key somewhere and details and that. But you don't have like, it's usually self-catering, but they're pretty cheap. And one thing I will say about Germany is that even your budget places are light years ahead of our budget places. I mean, in fact, some of your budget places are light years ahead of our, some of our costly hotels, to be perfectly honest. But last year I had this really spacious self-catering apartment with a cooker and kitchen equipment, a decent double-sized bed, a sofa, space to put my games and an ensuite with a shower, a cubicle shower. It was pretty well decked out. And it was cheap as chips. And all I had to do was park on the side of the road and drive for 20 minutes in each day. Whoop-de-doo. You know, no big deal. Trust me, it's worth considering to take that little bit of an extra step to cheapen your Essen trip. All right. Uh, hunting down. Let's see. Oh, we're getting on to an hour. That's uh, getting on there. Um, bear in mind, there is no open gaming at the Essen itself. So it's all demos and trade show there. So if you want to open game, you're going to have to do it in your apartments or your hotels. 
and obviously there's so many people in the hotels which means it's going to be hard to actually get uh like an actual <laughs> table shall we say so they're going to be sought after so if you want to do open gaming you might want to make an early start on it like don't wait for the in fact this links on to another tip don't wait for the convention to end before you leave leave before the convention ends because everybody then has to come out of that thing and get on the trains and stuff and it's going to be hectic like you wouldn't believe so don't take that risk uh, what have we got here picture-wise? This is Hall 6, which tends to be mostly the Warhammer stuff and miniatures and that. So I tend to not do anything in this hall anyway. I mean, there are a couple of halls you're not even going to set foot in because you've got no interest in the subject area. But yeah, like I say, there's something for everyone there. But yeah, so if you want to do open gaming, bear in mind you need to find your own space and you want to find it soon and hold the table. Don't like do the annoying deck chair thing of saving like sticking your bag there and saying it's claimed no but what i mean is you want to stay on that table and not leave it uh da -da -da. avoid saturday if you can um unless you really want to experience all the convention saturday is busy oh boy 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 is it busy 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 busy, busy. uh thursday and friday are the, the thursday and sunday are the quietest days, I think. Although Friday is not too bad. Some people take three-day weekends, and so the Friday is a little bit busier, but it's still not too bad. Saturday, obviously, is the first day of the weekend, and it is packed. Even with this reduced COVID capacity, it's going to be maxed out on the Saturday. So it's harder to get into demos. You've got more people to push past when you're going through these fairly tight aisles, although I don't know how they're going to uh, make them wider for COVID and that. And so you are going to really have to... Uh, you know, be aware that Saturday is going to be a bit of a crunch one. So if you are going for the whole duration and you don't think you're going to need all four days at the convention, take Saturday off. Do some open gaming in the hotel and just stay there for the day. Go sightseeing. There's some lovely parks in Essen to walk around. I've not even walked around them myself. You know, I've never really had time, but yeah, it's a park. I wouldn't necessarily want to go on holiday just to walk around a park. But if that's your thing, then by all means, just take a break. Take a break on Saturday. Go do your own thing. Sightsee. So unwind from the convention itself and then you can go back on Sunday and pick up where you left off on a quieter day. But yeah, if you're going to skip any of the four days, Saturday would be a best choice because you won't gain anything extra by going there on Saturday unless there's a show you want to go see. It's just going to be more people. Uh, the, what's next? Uh, your purchases. Try and hunt down everything you're going to buy, like desperately going to buy on Thursday or the first day and go get it done. You know, if you're going for the whole duration, do it on Thursday. You know, don't even sit down on a demo table unless you've got all your games. And as I say, if you drive, you can basically go to a massive shopping run, get all the games you're desperate to buy and collect, put them in your car, and then you can kind of just relax and enjoy some demos. If you space it out too much, you're going to lose track of what it is you wanted. You're going to be carrying games on your person all the time, which is going to get very exhausting. And obviously, you might damage the games in transit pushing past people. But... Also, you guarantee to get your games and hopefully things won't sell out. So I would make the first day your shopping craze day. Make that the time you go get as many things as you're going to buy. And then if you do get anything else afterwards, then you got it as an extra. Last time I went, I got 90% of my purchases on the Thursday. And then the other 10% were spaced out over the other three days. So it works better that way. Uh, and the last tip I've got is... Uh, plan your excursion around the halls. The guide, when it eventually does release, will have maps. 
And there's also, I forget his name, but there's a person on the social media who also creates maps for uh, these conventions, which are really good. So you can get some better maps than these ones. These ones aren't particularly good quality. But essentially, they you've got a lot of halls. They're pretty big halls. There's going to be a lot of people in these halls. There's going to be a lot of publishers there, even with the reduced capacity. So plan your journey. Take time to grab the best map system you can find. I mean, this is what they print in the magazines, but I can't remember his name. But I'm sure if you're on the Facebook groups for board gaming, you will see it plastered all over the place because it gets shared a lot, even on Board Game Geek, in fact. But get these hall plans. Figure out which halls you're going to visit. I mean, you might ignore Hall 6 entirely because it's mostly Games Workshop stuff, so it's like, fine. Uh, Galleria is for food. Uh, but yeah, plan the journey. Note down what booths you need to visit. Note down the publishers. Where are they located? How many of them are in the same hall? Can I take them? Can I tackle them all in the same day in the same hall without having to go from hall to hall and back again? Is there a hall that only has one person I want to see? Can I just do that as a quick excursion when I'm already in the hall next door? Find a way to plan your day because if you try and wing it, you're going to forget stuff. You're going to be doing too much walking and not enough gaming. So be aware of what's there and where it is. The more planning that you do, the better. It's not a convention that you just want to wing, believe me. I think every year I have tried to meticulously plan where everything is, carry the maps around with me, even a digital version on my phone, and it really does help. So, yeah. Woo! Oi, oi, oi. Yeah, that's it. Throat's starting to go. We're over an hour. I think that's a good enough representation. So, yeah, I will be at Essen. You know, I'm hoping that the reduced capacity doesn't make it a bit like UK Games Expo where there's a very little to do, you know, very little to buy and stuff. You know, I want this to be a great convention despite the reduced capacity. But, you know, middle of October, I can't wait to come back to Germany and eat all your food and drink all your beers and just, you know, socialize with people who I don't get to see often because obviously you may be based in Europe and that. So it's going to be good from a social atmosphere. It's going to be good from a gaming atmosphere. I, I look forward to working with Portal on their booth. You know, yes, it's going to be hard for the throat i'm going to need to be drinking water continuously and i'll be teaching games but yeah i think it's going to be good you know i'm doing my bit to help out a publisher i'm doing what i need to do for the blog i'm doing what i do for myself and i'm hopefully seeing a lot of you there whether you are a content creator a publisher a designer or just somebody who watches the show and wants to say hi believe me as i said just come and say hi it really is not going to interfere with my day if i'm if i'm rushing to somewhere i'll let you know i will kindly let you know that i'm in a hurry to get to a certain place uh and try and at least give you a handshake and stuff but i'm not gonna like sneer at you i'm not gonna brush you aside i'm not gonna say uh not right now thanks you know or anything like that i'm you know going to at least acknowledge you but it's not often that i'm in a situation where like i am desperate to get to this point unless i need the loo i guess but you know it shouldn't be too bad so by all means come and say hi so that's it for me on this podcast episode i'm gonna get on with editing this and uploading it so thank you for listening thank you for watching if you're doing this on youtube uh, don't forget to 
uh, leave a like and a comment, you know, comment on this podcast, you know, did you like the format, did you like the content, are you going to Essen, uh, will I be able to see you there, I'd love to hear from you on that, what are your thoughts on Obsession, Cabbage Head and Anno 1800 that I talked about before, you know, is the whole IDW games thing, you know, affected you in more ways than me, uh, were you at KCON last weekend, did you enjoy KCON, you know, it would be good to hear your uh, feedback on that. And, you know, did you like the tips from this session? And do you have any tips of your own that I didn't mention? By all means, stick them in the comments. Let's make this a good video to help those who are going to Essenspiel 21. So, you know, obviously, don't forget to check out the Patreon if you can, if you want to support the channel a little bit more. Uh, the channel is assisted by zatu.co.uk. And as always, don't just remember it's always a game there's been a lot of dramas on social media lately and it's like getting to the point where i literally can't scroll down to find anything about board games at the moment on twitter it's all just drama 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 remember it's only a game so take care thank you for listening love you all and i'll see you on the next broken meeple video which will probably be something to do with the top 100 take care bye for now <laughs>